Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever or whenever you may be listening to this BSN Broncos podcast. It's Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens, as always, coming to you from Denver. And, as always, the BSN Broncos podcast is presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever that is just one of their many great non-THC products. What's more... When you go to elixinol.com and get yours today, 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice. Well, Zach, it's a decent day here in Colorado, but it's a much nicer day where John Elway and Vic Fangio are down at the NFL owners meetings in Arizona. And um, it's one of the few times we get to you know, hear anything out of them during this offseason. And both of them actually ended up speaking yesterday, um, and and some interesting stuff came out of that. Yes, there certainly was interesting stuff coming out of Phoenix, the Scottsdale area, where those two are. And the first one is quarterbacks. Ryan, last time we talked, we knew the Broncos were going to meet with Drew Locke uh, and Dwayne Haskins before the draft. Yesterday, we find out they're also going to meet with Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. All four of these guys are being brought in on official top 30 visits. And Ryan, Kyler Murray? What? Man, I mean, what a great indication of just how insignificant these things are. Remember, Bradley (laughs) Chubb wasn't even on an official visit last year. So don't read much into this. In fact, if I'm Kyler Murray, I give a big, giant massive middle finger to the Broncos and say, yeah, right. Save your time. Save my time. I am not coming there. No way would I come and visit the Broncos because all they're going to want to do is get a scouting report on me. They're going to want to know my weaknesses, what I don't like, so that they can build their defensive scouting report. And you know what? If I'm the Broncos and I bring Kyler in, I'm just having a meet with Vic, Ed Donatel, all the defensive coaches, so they can pick his brain on what he doesn't like to do because Ryan... We know uh, Kyler Murray's not going to be there for the Broncos. The Broncos aren't going to trade up to get him. And we know John Elway doesn't like him and, and won't draft a short quarterback. He said he all but said that 
at the Combine about how he can't fit into his system, he can't do this, he can't do that. Uh, so for the Broncos, absolutely I bring Kyler Murray in. I bring him in to see, uh, convince me that that you can be a guy. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to be able to convince the Broncos that, that they should be interested in him, but maybe it opens the Broncos' eyes to, okay, here's you know the system we would need in order to work with a short quarterback if we ever did that in the future. But more importantly, if he falls to the Raiders, we'll know some of his weaknesses because we've got to play him twice a year. And it wouldn't be unprecedented for Kyler Murray to tell the Broncos, no way, uh, because Baker Mayfield did it last year. Now, this was a little different. The Patriots were picking at what, 30, 31? Yeah. Patriots were picking at 31, and Baker said, I'm not falling to 31. So I'm not coming there just to give you, you know, a checkbox on your homework. Um, that's not how I roll. I'm either going, you know, one to the Browns, two to the Giants, three to the Jets, five to the Broncos, whatever it is. I'm going one of those spots. So I'm not wasting my time by going up there just so you can have a little scouting report on me. And, and I respected the absolute hell out of that. Now, a lot of people back then probably would have said, oh, you're just hating on the Patriots. No, I liked it because it was a waste of his time, and he wasn't ever going to fall to the Patriots. So if Kyler Murray were to, to, to laugh at the Broncos and say, you literally said I can't play in your offense, I'm not coming there. I would tip my cap to him and say, good, way to use your time properly. <laughs> exactly. And this isn't – I've seen a lot of people say smokescreen. No, th- this, this is not a smokescreen. This is not a smokescreen. If if what what the scouting industry is a billion or million multi million dollar industry in the NFL, if NFL clubs don't know that the Broncos aren't drafting Kyler Murray, well then they are just blowing millions of dollars. I don't think any team is going to bite at the Broncos uh, talking with Kyler Murray. First off, he's not going to be there for the Broncos. Second off, if somehow he is. I don't think Miami's going to be saying we need to get to nine to jump the Broncos because Kyler Murray's there. It it's not. It it's not. Now the other guys, you could make the argument, but now I say, well, they're bringing in Kyler Murray, so these these quarterback visits really don't mean anything. I think it makes it even less of a smokescreen now that you're bringing Kyler Murray in for these other guys. But I like it. They're do, they're doing their due diligence, and until you have a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning. Uh, any of those guys who is your true franchise quarterback uh, for the long term, then you should absolutely always do your due diligence on them. It's the most important position in sports and what you're going to have probably between four and six official visits with these quarterbacks. So that, that that's plenty. You still have 20 plus spots for other positions. Absolutely do this. Yeah, you got to bring in um, the other guys. You know, I, I think the Kyle Murray thing is a joke, but you do have to bring in Daniel Jones. You got to bring in Drew Locke. You got to bring in Dwayne Haskins just because all three of those guys can work in your system and you never know what's going to happen in the draft. And you never know, you know, if you're going to meet a guy and say what the Eagles said when they met Carson Wentz, when the Eagles met Carson, met Carson Wentz, they said, drop everything, do whatever you have to do. This guy needs to be our quarterback this year. And I admire that a lot that they did that. And so maybe, it's not likely, but maybe Dwayne Haskins comes in. This would be their first time uh, meeting with Dwayne Haskins. Maybe he comes in and they say, wow, this is not the guy we thought he was going to be. This guy put him behind Flacco for a year, and this guy's going to be an all, an all pro. Maybe you do it. So you got to do your homework. You have 30 of them. You're only going to draft eight dudes. 
So take, you know, your top few guys at each position and bring them in. You know what you can't do, especially with the quarterback position? You can't have a scenario where you say exactly what you said last year. We had zero situations where Bradley Chubb was going to fall to us in, in, in their draft prep. You can't do that with a quarterback this year. You can't say we had zero situations where Dwayne Haskins was going to was going to fall to us, uh, so we did no homework on him, or we did you know ten percent of the work we should have done on him, and then he fell to us. You can't do that with a quarterback. So I'm glad that they're doing that with Bradley Chubb. You probably wanted the Broncos to have a you know a plan in case he fell to them, but obviously John Elway had the plan, and that was just pick him no matter what if he's there. With the quarterback, you got to do all of your research, so absolutely bring him in. What else did we learn yesterday when uh, those two guys met the media? Uh, the, the only sort of bad news is Vic Fangio doesn't expect Bryce Callahan or Philip Lindsay to participate in their first in the first mini camp during OTAs. That's just before the draft as they're both still recovering from injuries. Yeah, that is a bummer. In the end, um, Callahan, I guess, is the one that you just got to keep a closer eye on. With Phil, it's a wrist, you know, and, and obviously Broncos fans might be a little scarred by wrist injuries, no pun intended, based on the nasty scars Shane Ray has all over his hand. <laughs> but you don't expect that to turn out that way. It was a, you know, it was a minor fracture in the wrist. It's been casted. It's healing properly. You know, everything's going fine for Phil. It's kind of one of those things that just don't force it when you don't have to. And Phil doesn't rely on his right hand. He relies on his feet. Now, Bryce Callahan also relies on his feet. So that's the one that I would just keep an eye on. Uh, and if it, if it lingers too long, maybe you start to get worried. But right now, it's nothing. Again, yesterday, John Elway reiterated uh, again that any extension talk for players currently under contract for the Broncos won't begin until after the draft. Uh, it, it seems like we've known this for a while, but he just said that again, so I wanted to put that out there. And Ryan, maybe the most interesting thing that came from yesterday was a quote from Vic Fangio talking about the safety position opposite Justin Simmons. Let me read you the quote. I'd say it's pretty wide open. Again, Kareem Jackson could be that guy that could play there also. I'm not saying that to indicate anything other than he's capable of playing safety. So we've got guys available that can play. Let's see what his draft brings in college free agency and go to work. No mention of Will Parks. <sighs> yeah, it's an interesting... I mean, there's, there's a lot of weird things where they keep saying, well, let's see what the draft brings. Let's see what the draft brings. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? What does that mean? Are you going to sign Chris? Well, let's see what the draft brings. <laughs> what could the draft bring that would stop you from signing Chris Harris Jr.? Mm. That's what I'm saying over here. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, so let's say Byron Murphy falls to the second round and you get him. Does that stop you from signing Chris Harris Jr.? Maybe. It just That seems unrealistic. Are you going to draft a corner in the first round to save yourself $10 million on Chris Harris Jr.? Right. Maybe. That doesn't make much sense to me because you already have Chris Harris Jr. Well, really quick, how, mu how much is Chris going to cost per year? Let's say you sign him up this year. At least 10. 10 a year. And this year he's at... Three years, 30 million. And this year he's at eight. So it's, it's not 10 additional million dollars, you know? It's two this year. And then next year, obviously Chris isn't on the books for next year. But $10 million isn't crazy at all. So I, I, I agree. Are you really going to make 
your cornerback group the best in the league by far when you still have so many other holes around? It doesn't. That wouldn't make sense. So, and I don't think, even if you drafted Rakusin in the second round, does that make sense to say we're not going to sign Chris now? That that seems asinine to me. So, I, I just don't get it. Uh, I, I'm worried by them continuously saying, well, let's see what the draft brings. Let's see what the draft brings. Do we need, you know, should we win games? Well, let's see what the draft brings. It's like that's their answer for everything. <laughs> after the draft. Wait till after the draft. So should safety be higher on our board? Should we be considering it more for a first-round pick, for a second-round pick? Second, sure. No, you can't go safety in the first at 10. So what does this mean about how they view Will Parks? Because all offseason, I think everyone, not just you and I, everyone's been saying, okay, it's Justin and Will, and we know they have Kareem Jackson. If they need to, he will be used as a safety at times. But right now, we're, we've just been viewing him as you know a main cornerback that can also, and will also play safety, but not primary. Vic didn't even mention Will. Um, so should we be viewing it like that too, that there is an open hole at, at that second safety position? No, I wouldn't say it's a hole. I would say it's a position that they are uh, willing to upgrade or not willing, but interested in potentially upgrading. You know, it's not a place where they're saying, okay, let's look in the draft. How are we going to fill this hole? It's more, hey, if our best player available in the second round is a safety and he falls to us, there's no reason we shouldn't take him. You know what I'm saying? It's not a hole, but it's not a... No need to address this position. Kind of like a lot of positions. I mean, you, you could say that with what? Two positions on the offensive line. You could say it with receiver. You could say it with tight end. You could say it with defensive line. You could say it now with safety. And then, of course, inside linebackers, really the, the glaring need out there. But other than that, there's no glaring needs. But there's a lot of positions that you can upgrade. And cornerback really isn't one. I don't think if you draft a quarterback in the f- cornerback in the first round this year, that that guy is upgrading your team this year. Because of what, what, a fourth cornerback? I mean, what, what is that? How much does that upgrade you, you in reality? Probably not much. Um, and, and then another thing that John Elway said yesterday on the tight end class, it's a deep class. So maybe does that mean it's not the TJ Hawkinson, it's not the Fant, it's second, third, fourth round guys? How many times are they going to draft a mid-round <laughs> tight end? Like, well, we need to. We just need to compile uh, mid-round tight ends from the big time. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think if anyone anyone comes to the top of my head, not right now, but just I don't know. I'm like I'm I'm like either draft a guy in the first round or don't draft a guy. You know? Yep. Like you're either solidifying the position or you're rolling with what you got. Right. Yeah. I. Man, unless they really just think. If we bring a fourth guy in and maybe one of these four guys pans out, because that that's what they're rolling with right now is they're rolling with three guys who I don't necessarily want to say could be major hits. I think Jake Butt has the potential for a major hit, but as the years go on, that just gets smaller. But maybe they, they get a solid tight end in Troy Fumagalli, who is supposed to be healthy enough uh, and ready to go full speed at the at the start of the offseason program. Uh, and Jeff Hireman, maybe they believe that he's just going to be solid. But we know Joe Flacco likes 
you know, solid at worst tight ends. I just don't – I couldn't imagine taking a guy in the third round. <laughs> then you'd have a third-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a third-round pick. <laughs> and it's like either, like, figure it out, get a guy in free agency, or take a guy high who has a low bust potential, or – don't address it at all and roll with the guys that you have. I'm just I, – I couldn't imagine them just throwing another guy in there who's like, oh, he has high potential, but he has a lot of work to be done. If that just hasn't worked. It's like stop doing the same thing over and over again. The Jake Butt pick at the time looked like it was a genius pick. And I'm sure, you know, if you listened to the podcast back then, I said that might have – that could have been the pick of the draft. But what we don't talk about when, those, when the picks come in is, well, he could also tear his ACL again. And never be the same. Or he might not come back from this one the same, and you're not getting a great player. you know. And, and that's always the possibility. There's a reason that he fell to the fifth round. Right now, look, I hope it all works out for Jake Butt. Right now, what it looks like is that was a bad pick. You picked a guy who's coming off of his second torn ACL in the same knee, and he's never been able to produce. That means it's a bad pick. And so... You want that to work out, but it's not working out. You want Troy Fumagalli to work out, but somehow a hernia has him still sidelined to this day. And you're kind of for, you're like tricking yourself into thinking that Jeff Hireman is better than he is. And you know what makes that Jake Butt pick just hurt even more? George Kittle. George Kittle was picked one pick after him. And Ryan, maybe that's why the Broncos believe. It's a deep class. We'll get one in the fifth. Look, George Kittle went there. We still think very highly of Jake, but he just needs to recover. That that wasn't our fault. I mean, come on. We, we knew he had the ACLs, but we can't control him tearing another one. So, look, we can evaluate these guys pretty good. And and, the, and there's our tight ends deeper in the draft that can come through. And you're sighing, rolling your eyes at me. I'm presenting the argument. I know, and I'm not rolling my <laughs> eyes at you. I'm just rolling my eyes at the thought. I'm just rolling my eyes at... You're really going to bring in a fourth guy that's in this in this class right here in the middle yeah. of just like, guys, oh, yeah, they, they were decent in college. Like, Jeff Hyreman didn't produce a lot in college. Troy Fumagalli didn't produce, you know, an insane amount in college. Uh, Jake Butt did, and he was a beast. But then there's the other thing. It's like, t- take TJ Hawkinson or forget about it is the way I feel. <laughs> what about Fant? I like Fant, um, especially with Gronk leaving, like – he has that physical freak, uh, red zone, throw it up, line him out wide against you know the Bryce Callahans of the world, and, and good luck to them. But he doesn't excite me as a like at ten. That would seem like a reach to me. Speaking of Gronk, did you hear what his agent Drew Rosenhaus said today? Did not about him retiring. He said. Uh, about his future if if the Patriots were struggling or they needed him at some point next year and let's just say hypothetically Tom Brady gives him a call and says Rob I need you I wouldn't be shocked if he came back to play a few games this is not the end of Rob Gronkowski he is not retiring what he's doing is brilliant he's saying I'm gonna go party have fun this offseason I'll stay in stay in decent shape I'm not going to play the September and October games. When the Patriots make their run in November, give me a call and I'll be there. That's so annoying. <laughs> it is. But and it makes sense because what he is he has he turned 30 yet? I don't know how old he is. So he'll still be in good shape. I mean, the the Patriots may have even 
suggested this to him because he, he clearly can't play 16 games anymore. So is his contract now void? I don't know how that works. I, he doesn't get paid. Um, I don't. I know. I know the the Patriots would have if he's still under contract. Technically, he couldn't come out of retirement and just go to whatever team. He right. Wants. They, they still would still have, have his, his rights. rights. But I don't know if they have to like reenact his contract or can they just say, okay, well, you're coming back for the last three games in the playoffs. We'll give you the vet men. Mm. Because if that's the case, it makes a whole lot of sense for the Patriots to actually say, hey, we need your money off the books. <laughs> And we'll we'll bring you back when you come back. Um, we honestly don't want to risk you getting hurt in the first thirteen games yep. of the season because we need you in the in the playoffs. I mean, could you imagine? And then what if he comes back? And sure, there's a chance that he really does party too much and have too much fun and isn't in football shape. But he's a guy who I think he enjoys working out. Um, and it, so if he comes back in shape, he could be the Gronk of three years ago because he hasn't had those hits and, and and wear and tear on his body the first 10 weeks of the season. Man, I just... The day after you announce you're retiring and your agent says, whoa, whoa, I, I mean, he could come back. That's pretty much tells me there's a plan in place. I'm still thinking... <laughs> I'm just still thinking about this deep tight end class <laughs> like that pretty much in my mind they're like almost rules out tight end in the first round oh it's a deep class all exactly. right well uh, they're not that means they're not going uh tight end in the first unless, exactly unless it's a smoke screen which all of a sudden everyone believes that john elway is the king of smoke screens well and with tight end it's it's not very different than inside linebacker john elway hasn't valued tight end in the past what was the highest jeff hireman mm-hmm. third round pick uh and then jeff hireman now at four and a half million per year on this new deal, I believe is the highest paid tight end the Broncos. Is this the highest paid tight end the Broncos have ever had in John Elway? In John Elway's career? Because Julius Thomas was just on a rookie deal. Julius Thomas was a rookie deal. Owen Daniel? I don't know. Daniels? I assume I mean, he was a vet man type yeah. of guy. So probably $4.5 is the most money John Elway's ever committed to a tight end. Because Virgil Green was at like three. I always try to like tie it back to John Elway's career and be like, oh, well, that makes sense because blank. And then I'm like... It never adds up because he had one of the greatest, if not the greatest tight ends of all time. You'd think he would say, man, if you can have a guy like that, it's it, your offense is unstoppable, especially in my offense. You know what John probably thinks? I was that guy. I was the difference maker. He Shannon thinks, Sharp was good. Rod Smith was good. Uh, all these other guys were good. The defense was good. I was the guy. Now, what doesn't make sense is – that you don't try to draft a quarterback in the first round. He thinks that he made Shannon Sharp. Everyone. He he thinks thinks that he made made Terrell Davis. Yeah. And you know what he doesn't think, based on the moves? He doesn't think that he was given the best opportunity at receiver because he went out and spent big money on Demaryius Thomas. He never had a guy like Demaryius Thomas. No. I mean, Rod Smith was great. Ed McCaffrey was great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those guys were great. Neither of them were close to the physical freak that Demarius Thomas is. No. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, you can make some comparisons maybe there. Right. But even then, he's like, oh, could you imagine if I had Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders out there? So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. He also believes that if he was taller, he would have been a better quarterback. <laughs> he just it really bugged him not being able to see over Naylin up there. Um, and he just hated going up against great secondaries. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. There we go. 
The Shannon Sharp one is the one that I take a lot of issue <laughs> with, if that's actually how he feels. Shannon Sharp was, was Gronk before Gronk. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a physical freak. He still looks like he could go, be, go out there and be the best <laughs> tight end on the Broncos. Maybe that should be the option for the Broncos this year. They're like, you guys are pulling Gronk out of retirement? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're pulling Shannon Sharp. <laughs> for the final stretch, the Patriots are, are what, 12-2 and two going into the playoffs. They bring Gronk out of retirement. 12-4. No, 12-2 and two with like two games oh, left. Oh, oh, oh. And the Broncos are like, they're like, well, you know what? We're 6-8 and eight right now. We're going to bring Shannon Sharp out. Watch out for us, baby. And DeMarcus Ware. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm convinced. I am literally convinced that Shannon Sharp could give you at least one good game. Oh, absolutely. He, he probably believes so, too. Did you see, like, this is just what comes to my mind, the picture in my head, when he put on the LeBron Lakers jersey with the goat mask <laughs> and his arms were out? I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder. It's, it's, how old is he? He's over 50, right? He's got to be close, at least. 2% body fat. What a freak. <laughs> what a freak. So that's where, like, that's where John cannot be sitting back and saying, like, well, if it wasn't for me, Shannon Sharp wouldn't have been great, especially <laughs> since he went and won another Super Bowl without him. Maybe it's a smokescreen. <laughs> John's, like, the worst smokescreen yeah. GM in the league. He really is. People are trying to tell me that his comments on Kyler Murray were a smokescreen. At the combine, mm, they're, and wow. then they're like, and this is showing his true interest. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, if what he said at the combine lines up with every move he's ever made at the position, except for signing Case Keenum, which he now regrets, it's not a smokescreen. Well, then speaking of smokescreens, yesterday a reporter asked John. He said, "Somebody said you're smitten with Drew Locke." What a bad question. <laughs> that's not a question. That's just a statement. <laughs> With no factual backing. Elway smiled and said, oh, yeah? I guess I was chasing him around at the Senior Bowl. I heard that, too. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> like, there's a way to ask that question where you don't sound dumb. <laughs> John, there's a lot of buzz around the, you know, the draft community that Drew Locke is your guy. What do you think about that? Somebody said you're smitten. Somebody said you're smitten with <laughs> Drew Locke. Who is that? My question would be, Who? Who said that? <laughs> yeah. Even if I knew who said it, or if I knew that it was the buzz, I and I would be I, that. That's why I wouldn't ask the question like that, because I would be afraid he would say that, and then it's like, well, I, a lot of people. I got caught um, by Tad Boyle, who I have the <laughs> utmost respect for, saying, um, "People out there are saying that this, this, and this," and he was like, "Who are people? <laughs> yep. Who? Yeah. Who said that?" Mm -hmm. and I was like, "You know, the, you know, the experts. <laughs> who are the experts?" <laughs> I don't know, the people on ESPN. <laughs> well, we don't care about what any of those people have to say. All we care about is what people say in this building, mm. and no one is saying that. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Why did I say that? People are saying that sounds so dumb in hindsight. <laughs> but it, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it happens. I mean, it happens. It I, does. Like, I'm not hating on the reporter. I'm no. just saying, like, you... They thought the same thing that I just said. When, right. when it came out of their mouth, they were, they were like, oh, why did I say that that way? Especially <laughs> with John. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it wasn't a Denver reporter. That's just my guess. I don't know if you've heard the audio. Um, it just That seems like something that someone who just kind of meandered into the scrum <laughs> would have said. Somebody said you're smitten with Drew Locke. Yep. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a Denver uh, Denver media question. All right, well. Not Denver media questions, but BSN Denver subscriber mm, questions. There we go. On the other side of this break. 
Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. The debate of the week last week has... Uh, garnered big time attention in our little BSN Broncos or a big BSN Broncos community here. And I got, I got messages saying, you know, it, it was the best debate we've ever had. And, <laughs> and I want to circle back around to it because I have a confession and I have a, I have something, I have a confession that you're going to like, and I have a, a statement that you're not going to like. You, you have something. It, I didn't know it was up both sleeves, but I knew from the moment I woke up this morning, Ryan, that there was something good up your sleeve on your side. It's not, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess, I guess you're right. I do. Um, but before that, we had some commenters. So there's one on each side really here. So I'll start with mine here. And this one comes in from Joe Harine. He says, many rant, I guess. On Mac Wilson, he is more comparable to Josie Jewell in terms of athleticism in my eyes than the Devons. And other than CJ, I can't name a successful Bama MLB coming from Saban. Jewell was also a four-year starter. Yes, he didn't get in, uh, interceptions the same, but that's not a key stat I look at for linebackers. I back the pick. I'd back the pick if he was. I just think Jewell isn't ideal and neither would be Mac. There's so that's his feeling. So there's no middle ground. There's no you're you're either you're either uh, the Devons or you're Josie Jewell. No middle ground in terms of athleticism. Eh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. But but go I'll, ahead and read yours. I'll read from Agathens. Comes in. He says on Team Z here with Mac Wilson. His games show he plays faster than he tests. He is great sideline to sideline, can be developed by the great Fangio. Not a Bama fan, but he is a legit stud. Strong, fast, and smart. I'm still an advocate of quarterback at 10. And then AJ, our, our own great AJ chimes in on this and says, Dre and I are both big fans of Mac Wilson. The testing might be a blessing in disguise because it could push him down the board enough where he's a great value if Denver doesn't address the position earlier. It was definitely a disappointing day of testing, though. Speaking of our own family, mm. and shout out to AJ because I love AJ. Um, but speaking of the BSN family, I have a request of oh. the BSN Broncos listeners. If you are on Twitter today, I'm going to need you to go to at Purple Row BK. That's his profile, at Purple Row BK. You'll find him on Twitter. He is doing the Rockies Twitter tournament, 
and one of our own, Drew Creaseman, who runs BSN Rockies. The BSN Rockies account is in the final four for the Rockies Twitter tournament, and it would be really awesome. I know we always compete against these guys normally, <laughs> but we'd love to rally the BSN Broncos family to go help out Drew. So if you're on Twitter, again, Purple Row BK, at Purple Row BK, vote BSN Rockies for the final four. Uh, and help us get to the championship. Or you can just go to the BSM Broncos Twitter account. We have quote tweeted that. You can just go right in really easy. That's why you're the engineer of the family. <laughs> you're making it easier. Okay. So I respect the opinions of AJ uh, on the NFL draft and Andre a lot, and I obviously respect your opinions. But I went in and I decided I'm going to watch – because I was basing Mac, my Mac Wilson uh, evaluation off what I saw from him in the games that I watched, which I actually did watch quite a few Alabama games. It's easy to. It is. And when I watched the film, I confess I was wrong on a few things. Um, I think the the thumper term was incorrect because he's not a thumper. He does He is thirsty for the big hit. And so I think that is what got me thinking that because he will lay the wood um, for sure. In fact, I think he's a little too – um, hungry for the big hit. So here's what I wrote. And this, these are just my notes as I watched, I think, three games of his, all of his plays. Great in zone coverage. Give you that one. Uh, again, probably was a little bit off there. But that's in zone. In man, he is just kind of the way, same way he's a little too hungry for the big hit. He's a little too hungry for the interception. And it probably is why his interception numbers are a little bit inflated. And it's also hurt him a couple times when I was watching. He he gambles, thinks he can kind of jump routes and gets himself in trouble there. Um, I said that you know he was he was over he was compensating for his lack of speed with instincts. That was wrong too. Um, he doesn't really have great instincts. <laughs> um, he is very fluid. His hip uh, he has the hips of a defensive back. And if you're looking for a a guy who is a cover linebacker, pure cover linebacker, I would say this is a good pick. The problem is he's not all that good at the his job, which is to be a linebacker. Um, he's great in coverage, but he didn't make a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage um, because I, I think he's a little bit slow to diagnose. Um, he didn't get downhill really on, on a consistent basis when I was watching. I thought he was a little flat-footed coming off the snap, um, and wasn't really getting to his spots early. The biggest thing for me, and, and I, I, by the way, I also watched Devin Bush tape and Devin White tape right after I watched this so I could compare them all. The word that I don't get when I watch Mac Wilson is explosive. And I'll be honest, I didn't really get it when I watched Devin Bush either. Devin White is explosive. I mean, that is the number one word tied to him. Devin Bush... I would put him second in terms of explosiveness and, and Mac Wilson, the third, I did not, I never saw his explosion pop off a couple more and then I'll let you go. I think I'm still right about him not being fast. He is fast enough to play the position, but I can see him on the field overcompensating for his lack of speed. And so he goes full throttle and it causes him to overrun 
his tackles and he ends up arm tackling because he's going he he's he's rearing up trying to go as fast as he can overcompensating for I think a, a half a step that he doesn't have and then it all all it takes is a, you know the running back or whoever it is to cut back and he runs right by them um great in pass rush really good pass rusher but again it's like he's great in pass rush and he's great in coverage it sounds like it, that, those aren't two things that you normally say about a linebacker and the final thing I, I said is just very inconsistent and and a lot of college prospects when you watch them are inconsistent so again I was actually wrong about where I was putting him in the box, but I kind of came away from his film liking him less. <laughs> well, let's, let's go not not point by point, because when you were saying some of those things, I agreed with you on some, uh, and there's some, some things I wanted to address. He is kind of like the opposite of Josie Jewell in the way where Josie Jewell is not fast, but he has those great instincts. I agree with you. Matt, Mac Wilson seems to be just uh, a, a tiny bit slow at times when the ball comes off, but then I think he makes up for it on nearly every single play. So Josie Jewell is not a good guy to compare to because Josie Jewell's strength is maybe one of Mac Wilson's bi- biggest weaknesses, but I think he makes up for it. Yeah. Um, I came away thinking, if you paired Mac Wilson with either Josie Jewell or Todd Davis, that would make they would balance each other out well. But he's not. I guess he's just not what I'm looking for, and and, and it's what I think Vic Fangio is looking for. Like, like Roquan Smith is explosive. I don't get explosive when I watch him, and I, I like that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you know dynamite from that position who just goes and blows things up. Well, really quick, what what is that? Is it big hits? Because when you say blow things up, that, that means big hits. Is it explosion and, and and big plays in terms of, you know, interceptions or being able to pass rush? Uh, what what are you looking for in terms of a Vic Fangio linebacker? Uh, one thing I'm looking for that I saw from Devin White that I didn't see from the other two guys very much. And again, I, you know, I didn't watch their entire season, so maybe I missed on a few. Devin White should pay rent in the backfield mm-hmm. on running plays. <laughs> he is back there in a flash. Third and one, you're, you better watch out for Devin White. You better run it as far away from him as you can because he is going to knife the gap and blow you up in the, back of the, in the backfield. Um, you know, screen plays... When they throw it out on the screen, he is like a rocket over there. So that I, I just think the word is explosion. I don't know how to necessarily define it in, in every sense of the game, but when you watch Devin White, you just think the, the offense must be so frustrated by this guy because everything they try to do, he's just flying over there and, and messing it up. Yeah, and I, I guess this is when, when I say my comparison – I'm not trying to say Mac Wilson's a first-round linebacker. I'm not trying to say he's Devin White. I'm not trying to say he's Devin Bush. I'm trying to say that I believe he's a good third option and a good option in the second round for the Broncos. And And uh, Vic Fangio addressed linebacker yesterday, uh, and I think he realizes that he may have thrown Todd and Josie under the bus at the Combine. So he kind of backtracked and said, uh, I think, look, I think Todd and Josie are good players, uh, but can we upgrade at every position? Yeah, we can upgrade at every position. Is that a position I think we you know, may want to add a couple pieces? Yeah, I think it's a position. So uh, it's clear the Broncos are still in need of something. And if it's Devin White or Devin Bush in the first round, great. I'm all for that. If it's not, 
I'm not really a fan of waiting until the fourth, fifth, sixth round because this is such an important position for Vic Fangio. So I'm just making the case that this is the third best option and that I do think he would be a good option for the Broncos. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I came away from it saying if the Broncos drafted him in the second round, it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you can – whoever you want there, Josie or Todd – you can put him next to them, and that linebacker combination works. Right. Um, so, I, uh, again, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. I'm not going to come <laughs> on here and lie and tell you that uh, I saw everything, I, you know. Right. Uh, it makes sense. I also came away just saying he's not, he's not the guy I think Fangio wants. I don't think he is a game changer at the position. I think he is a player who can go in there and improve the Broncos linebacking core right now. Um, but I don't think he's a guy you say you, – you come away from the game saying, wow, Mac Wilson left his footprint on that game. And I, I'm not trying to make the argument that he is the biggest game changer and that he's an instant pro bowler. I think he can be a pro bowler. I, I, think, I certainly think he has the athletic abilities and has shown enough that, that he can be a pro bowler. So then for you, though, having this conversation – it's it's Devin White or Devin Bush at number 10, and that's it. It's funny. I came away also saying, I don't really want Devin Bush at number 10. Mm. Um, so so really, when you did this, it wasn't – it was Devin White just jumping way ahead of the other two. It wasn't uh, Devin White or Devin Bush for you and then Mac Wilson in the second. It was Devin White in the first and then maybe one of those guys in the second. Yeah, um, maybe not in the second. Here's the way I felt about Devin Bush. When we started this whole thing, I said, it's, it's Devin White. He is the guy. Then you saw Devin Bush's combine numbers, which just blew you away. And you said, well, dang, he's worthy of a, a high first round pick too, if you can't get Devin White. But then I went back to the tape and I didn't necessarily see, look, Devin but, and remember, I'm being hypercritical here. Right. Um, Mac Wilson's a great football player, and so is Devin Bush, a right. really great football player. Right. I didn't necessarily see four 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 just popping off at me when I was watching Devin Bush. Um, I saw a really great player who was a difference maker for that defense, who, by the way, him and Devin White, I both thought were the heart and soul of their defensive units. Didn't get that from Mac Wilson. Um you know, like when fair. I mean, fa- fair. Yeah. When um, when other players made plays for their team, they like both players. The other player would look to them and like go celebrate with Devin White or Devin Bush, which I really love to see. Yeah. Um, but De- Devin Bush, I-, I came away saying maybe a trade back, and and maybe uh, he's not going to be there. Maybe another team really wants a linebacker, and he's not going to be there. But. I kind of came away saying, if you got him and you stockpiled this another second and you got him at 15, 17, somewhere in there, I'd, I would like that because I do think he is a step up from Mac Wilson. He is, in my opinion, a significant step back from, from Devin White. Here's what I like about that. I feel like it's a little meeting in the middle between John and Vic of John saying, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll get you your guy but it's not going to be a top 10 pick, and I'm going to get an additional second-round pick to do that. And that's why I also think that that Mac Wilson needs to be in the conversation because that's kind of a meeting in the middle too. Like, look, 
number 40 overall, that's a valuable pick. I've and never picked a linebacker above the fifth <laughs> round or fourth <laughs> right, round. Right. And I've never picked a player from Alabama. Exactly. So I'll give you this guy. But then, and, and my biggest thing with Mac Wilson is could you imagine pairing that with, with a, a dominant defensive lineman at 10? And that's when I think you had the dangerous in an Ed Oliver, uh, and then you get a, 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 an upgrade at linebacker who has uh, the ceiling of a pro bowler uh, and, and certainly a, a lower floor than the, than the Devons, but instantly your defense is dangerous. That is a way that you could fill two holes. Now we're going to have to do more research and find the opposite. Devin White and who, mm. you know, who is the other guy that can give you that pass rush synergy up the middle? Yeah. Um, and, and then compare because I don't have a guy at the top of my head that I'm saying, well, you could get this guy in the second round and now you're just flipping which position is better. Right. right. Um, but I don't want to, I want to remove myself from being a <laughs> Mac Wilson hater. I'm not a Mac Wilson hater. Um, I've always said he was a good football player. I didn't think he was a fit. I think he is now. I just, I think there is a big, big difference. And I've always been looking for a game changer at that position. And I think that's why I was originally um, so adverse to the idea is because he's not a game changer. And Devin White is just such a game changer. But if you don't get Devin White and you want to stay at 10, I'd be more in favor of Ed Oliver there and Mac Wilson in the second round than going and reaching, I think, which would be a little bit of a reach to get Devin Bush and then whoever in the second round. And this was too easy of a conversation. We found a nice middle ground. There was there was harmony, not no yelling. Uh, so listeners probably didn't appreciate that. But he, he so I and I didn't have to dive into my page of notes uh, that that I have <laughs> over the weekend. But here's kind of how I feel about about Mac Wilson, kind of compiling everything. And I'm just going to read. Uh, some notes from um, uh, from scouts online. Uh, not explosive like Roquan Smith or even Devin White in his first step, but can definitely hit and run. Has shown the ability to get from the core of the formation to the sideline when, when things bounce outside. He has great range and has flashed unbelievable ball skills. Excellent range. Able to make plays from sideline to sideline. Doesn't have close elite closing burst or speed, but he's very quick and can cover ground. A true sideline to sideline range type of player. So I think what I think that kind of adds up to exactly what our argument was. The problem is I think we were arguing from different positions. Yeah. In the sense where I was arguing like I need a game changer. Yeah. And he's not a game changer. Yeah. And I also had some misnomers that I was just wrong about. Um, where you're, you were arguing like he is a fit and would be a good pick. Right. And we we're coming from different positions. <laughs> yeah. And now that I'm coming from a more educated position, honestly, having watched just him, I think we can meet in the middle and say if they don't get a guy in the first round, if they can't get Devin White or trade back and get Devin Bush, Mac Wilson makes sense. And now let me ask, what if they don't get any of those three guys? Then when is it? Is it – Hanks, baby. Ah, yeah, that 498 speed. Oh, my God. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Hanks, I actually didn't end up watching Hanks this weekend. I've watched him a little bit before, and then obviously we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and the Senior Bowl, he blew me away. Yeah. Um, I talked. I was talking to Dre, and just like I asked him, where do you stand on this Mac Wilson debate? He told me, just as you said, he's a little closer to your side. Um, but then I, I was explaining to him, like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for just a cover linebacker. 
Because if you just want to cover linebacker, Mac Wilson is your guy. Um, but and, and that's what I was saying. I was like, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for explosion. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And he's like, all right, well then, if it's not De- if it's not one of the Devons, then the guy that you want is is Hanks. And I already knew that, but it's like, yeah, that's I think that's why I'm like, that's why I kept being scared off of Mac Wilson. Is like, when I watched him, I just didn't see explosion. Like when it's like you've seen it a couple times from Todd Davis, but when you just when your linebacker just knifes through the line and just blows up a play in the backfield it is just it's so satisfying you don't get that much from mac you get it an insane amount from devin white and you get it a little bit from devin bush man hanks i go get hanks whenever you need to on top of one of these uh three guys because then just give Vic what he wants and and roll with that because you've done a good job already giving him pieces on the defensive side. Go with that. And one of the things I remember, right when right when we saw that crimson helmet at the Senior Bowl, and like I said, the first thing I thought of, who is this Alabama linebacker? And it turns out it wasn't. It was uh, it, it was Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State. I, I googled him, looked him up, and I swear they've changed it now. But on New Mexico State's website. It said defensive back, listed him as a defensive back, even though he had been linebacker, and I'm pretty sure he started as a defensive back, now as a linebacker, and now as a linebacker that the Senior Bowl looked so good going up in the trenches and against the big guys. I'm like, this guy is a player. If you got Mac Wilson and, and Terrell Hanks, I'd, I would be quite happy with that. When's he going to go? I think in the third, maybe mm. the fourth. And that would probably be too rich for the Broncos to grab him along with Mac Wilson or Devin White. Man. Could you imagine, though, if you went Ed Oliver, Mac Wilson, Terrell Hanks? Like, all of a sudden, not Man. all of a sudden, you've solidified your back end and you've solidified your, your front seven. Oh, that would be dangerous. It with would. Vic? Now, would you start two rookies? No. At linebacker? No. Probably be pretty risky. Todd, Todd would be by him. Yeah, I think you would just mix, you would rotate these guys. Josie, man, if that were to happen, he would have to be the odd man out. Yeah. Man, Alexander Johnson's technically a rookie last year, right? Yes. So in between last year and this year, you would have five players inside linebackers that were in their first or second year. Yeah, I don't think they're going to draft two. Yeah. They could, though. I mean... And and I'm okay with that. They you have know, few enough holes on the team that they could stock up at a position. Man, and, and I'm okay with that. Just make sure that if you're only drafting one, it's not some guy in the fifth. Right. And I'm fine if you just leave with Hanks. Yeah. Especially if you don't get Devin White. Just That's probably your plan going into the second or third day. Make sure he doesn't get picked one pick before you. What I'm saying is cheer hard. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to trade for Darren Lee. Mm. Because, uh, in my opinion, Devin White is a can't-miss prospect. And and as of right now, he is my drop-dead, no matter what, I don't care who's there, pick him at 10. And I feel similarly about Ed Oliver. But after watching, after watching Devin White, I fell in love. So I've got to ask, do you trade up for Devin White? I'm pretty strict on my stance there of not trading up and sacrificing first-round picks for players that aren't quarterbacks when you don't have a quarterback. So I'm not going to budge on that. But I will tell you, just based on his talent, he is in a class that I believe is worth that for certain 
situations. The Broncos just aren't in that certain so situation. So just to dive a little further, my last thing. So it's clear you wouldn't trade a first-round pick to go to number four to jump Tampa Bay for him, right? No, that's that's too rich. So too what ri- do- Just because you, you need those first-round picks. You still don't have a quarterback. I know they believe they do. I just don't think you can operate that way. And I agree. You don't do that. But are you to the point of Devin White where, let's say there is so much buzz about whoever's at eight picking him or whoever's at eight trading because someone's going to pick him, would you trade a second-round pick along with number 10 this year to move up to number seven? Can it be a 2020 second-round pick? Sure. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> okay, that, that's where you are in the conversation. Yep. Yeah, don't trade first-round picks for anything but quarterbacks. Yep. But if you could get if you could get from ten to eight because so and so wants to trade up and get him behind you, um, yep, I would do it. I I second round pick. I bet Vic Fangio feels the same way in terms of just how you feel about Devin White and what he would do to get him. I don't think John Elway is going to let him trade a, a trade a pick to move up. But man, if you have this guy that you respect a ton, and it's clear that John Elway respects Vic a ton, and this whole off season. He's saying, John, you know, if I could get a cornerback or two, that would be awesome in free agency. Uh, and then outside of that, give me Devin White. And if you hear that for months and months and months, maybe that's why John Elway could be convinced to go from not investing in inside linebackers to saying, I'm not investing in an inside linebacker. I'm investing in my head coach, who's one of the best defensive minds to ever be in this game. Dude, I was watching this uh, game. I wish I could remember what game it was. It wasn't the Auburn game. Maybe it was against Auburn. I think it was against Auburn. I thought I was watching. I had to check. I thought I was watching a highlight tape. <laughs> like the first five plays, I was like, wow, those were incredible. Wait a minute. Is this, nope, this is just the cut up. Like he is uh, just unreal. He's so explosive. He just, it's like Von Miller. And I'm not, I don't want anyone to get crazy. When you watch Von Miller, though, you're like, holy crap, he just explodes, and he's just there. That's kind of how I feel from, like, a different position. Devin White just explodes, and all of a sudden he's in your backfield, and, you're, and you've got a loss of three from your running back. Well, here's, and here's the thing is, he should be a Von Miller type of player. And they both wore 40. I think that's going to Devin White over the weekend said, draft me, or in five years I'll be looking for $100 million. Yeah, you're gonna make you get big savings <laughs> on that position, especially with you know the C.J. Mosleys and Quan Alexanders of the world's cashing in. What number do you think he'll look good in in orange and blue? Forty. Forty. Is that allowed? I think that's allowed for linebackers. I think it is. Yeah. Don't mess with it. <laughs> Why wouldn't Vaughn have stayed with forty though, if that's allowed? That's a good question. Is that res- well? Who wears forty out there? Josie wears forty-seven. I, I I don't think they break up the numbers from like forty-five. I right. think I think it's the forties are allowed. Yeah, forties should be. I think forties are linebackers and safeties. Yeah, are allowed to wear in the forties. Yeah, forty. Keep him at forty. <laughs> he looks great in forty. He does. He does. And honestly, Vaughn should have stayed in forty. I know everyone's brand. used to fifty-eight now, but right. The lower number, the better, in my What opinion. if Vaughn's like, no, you're not taking 40. I'm taking 40 switches. <laughs> a lot of people with jerseys would be very mad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now that we've um, gotten this out of the way <laughs> and settled this debate, and I've admitted my wrongdoings while also saying I was right in a few yeah, areas. Absolutely. You'll never fully say <laughs> I'm wrong. 
Let's get into the rest of these questions. Next one coming in from Shaggy McLovin the third says, So I've been trying to watch some film on most of the prospects who I think might be available or potentially fall. Not believing Quentin Williams falls by any chance, but I don't believe the Broncos will trade at all unless blown away by an offer. If any of the Devons or Ed Oliver is available, you have do you have do you have them taking them? And I do think Devin Bush is a better fit in Fangio's defense. I like White, but they are so close up that they are so close, so I give it to Bush for instincts and ability to be a general, but putting everyone in the right place. And if it goes opposite and defense heavy early and one of the quarterbacks falls to you, you tell Joe that you weren't going to trade for one, but if Haskins or Locke is there, you take them and sit until they are ready. Elway looks like a genius, doesn't have to give up anything, but takes best person available. Either way, it's a win-win this year by staying at 10. Sorry, realize not a question. So what are your thoughts on the Devons and staying put? Well, we kind of already shared that. And and again, I don't want to come off as not liking Devin White. I just don't like him as much as I thought I did after the combine numbers. Like when I compared what I saw from him during the season, because I watched I watch tons of college football. I don't know if you guys have gathered that. <laughs> right now. When I watched him during the season, I said, that guy's a really good player. Then when I saw his combine numbers, I'm like, wow, he's incredible. And then I went back and watched the tape, and I'm like, okay, he's back to just being a really good player. Um, whereas kind of the opposite happened to me for Devin White. Devin White, I was like, wow, that guy is is really, really, really good player. And then I saw his combine numbers, and I'm like, holy cow, this guy is an incredible player. And then I went back and watched, and I'm like, yeah, the combine numbers match up with the way he looks on the field. And a lot of people after the combine thought, okay, it's just a Devin. And, and like, like our commenters are saying, it's just whatever Devin it is. And what you're saying is, okay, after taking a deep breath from the combine, watching the film, it's not the Devins. It's Devin White, number one, Devin Bush, number two. I don't think another team is chomping at the bit to to draft Devin Bush in the 10 area. There's been no conversation, at least I haven't seen anything, about Devin Bush uh, going before the Broncos pick a 10 and, and even linked it all with Tampa Bay at 5. Yeah, so I, I think there is a, a decent drop-off there. Um, I do also think he's a fantastic fit for Fangio's defense. Right. Just 10 feels a little rich for me for a guy who – like TJ Hawkinson, you watch him, you're like, holy cow, this guy is just is impacting the game all over the place. Devin White, you watch it, and you're like, this guy, the def- the offense doesn't even know what to do because this guy's just blowing up everything. Um, you know, different Ed Oliver, honestly, is in, is of is of the game wrecker mold. So it's it's you when you watch Devin Bush, you think this guy is fantastic football player. But I don't see like he's cha- he is just the offense doesn't even know what to do about this guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Next one from Elway's my dog. He said, "What up, fellas? Me and my fiance are traveling to Denver this weekend from Kansas to check out our wedding venue. Congratulations! And we we're wanting some great Mexican cuisine. What's your guys' recommendation? Oh no, they probably this past weekend is when he was traveling." to Denver. So if you, if you guys are ever in a time crunch for something like this, hit us up on Twitter at Zach Stevens, BSN at, at Ryan Koningsberg on Twitter. And we'll certainly get back to you before reading it on the pod. What would, what would your recommendation been? I would have said, um, 
Mm, there's three a margaritas? lot of, huh three margaritas <laughs> <laughs> that's what juan uh juan james would have told you yep um there's a lot of good places i like a place in the uh tennyson area called el chingon mm. and uh the guy who uh, owns it goes to my barber shop <laughs> and i went there their carne asada is to die for it sounds legit yep carne asada tacos if you want the carne asada plate Anything with the carne asada is incredible. Um, that That's the first one that came to my mind when you said that. The thing is, I like. I love a good traditional re- Mexican restaurant, but I usually crave a very specific aspect of Mexican food. So then I end up going to like, you know, a taco joint because I'm just craving tacos right. or a burrito place because I'm just right. craving a burrito. I never kind of say like, oh, I want like a a traditional Mexican right. dish right now. That's exactly how I am. I thought I thought you were going to give them a recommendation of Taco Bell. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I, end up, I do. There are times when I crave Taco Bell. Usually very late at night or early in the morning, depending on how you like to uh, call it. So, Elway's my dog. Hopefully, you found some place. If so, let us know. Well, where and would let you us recommend? You uh, I, I'm the same way as you. I don't go just to I, I typically don't go to just a general Mexican restaurant. But one down the street, what, we had a, a listener comment on this a while ago benny's is mm. kind of right uh it's actually just a block away from the governor's mansion so pretty fun spot there it's a good place speaking of that type of cuisine underrated green chili in denver mm. blake street tavern you would never expect a sports bar to have a great green chili no they really do man and brandon's from what i've heard all right brandon's green chili right oh brandon spano yeah, yeah. Brandon i thought you were talking yeah. about a place called brandon no right? no never no, heard no. of it <laughs> Yeah, Brandon Spano makes a bomb <laughs> green chili. He made a he made me a keto one recently, Ooh. which just doesn't have the flour in there to thicken it, mm. or whatever you use. I think yeah. it's flour. Yeah, um, I don't know. Someone's gonna be like, you can't put I flour in green chili. <laughs> I, I, I haven't made green chili before, but uh, it was also fantastic. Oh man, I'm dying. It's before noon right now. He says, also going to Fogo to Chow. Thanks to you guys on the pod. Now to football. I think linebacker at 10 would be ideal, but with Emmanuel Sanders on a contract year, I wouldn't be against us trading back and grabbing grabbing one of the Browns while gaining more draft capital, whether it's this year or next. Also excited to have the best defensive backfield in the NFL, whichever spinoff of the no-fly zone they decide to call it. And uh, there was another comment that came in for an idea on the uh, the nickname here. He says, for the new no-fly zone, I propose – this is from Tyler Williams. I propose we call them the seven-minute soak because <laughs> offense would choose any other defense to play against to avoid the horrible seven-minute oh, soak. Oh, my. That is, that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's pretty Could fun. you imagine what, what would Von Miller and Bradley Chubb do if quarterbacks had to give them the seven-second soak? Well, here's what I was thinking is – they get hit so hard during the game that they need a nice seven-minute soak <laughs> in the hot tub afterwards, and then the cold tub, too. So the, the defense is just called the seven-minute soak? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is perfect. All right, we got a long one here. You want to alternate on it? Yep. You want to lead right. us off? Yeah, from Mr. Split. Hey, BSN family, I've been rocking with you guys for over a year, giving you guys that consistency every month and paying my dues because the chemistry between Zach and Ryan is priceless literally in my Ryan voice. I've been told I say that a lot. (laughs) Literally? Yep. So I'm loving all the content and questions that have been asked, but there's a few parts to my question slash comment. Saddle up, boys. I'm bringing light and darkness (laughs) in my quick five. And I'm putting quick in uh, quotation marks because we could just copy and paste this and publish it as an opinion piece. 
<laughs> Number one, he says, am I the only one that felt like Case and Vance got the short end of the stick? I know that the Vance-Joseph era has been over and there was a lot of blame to go around, but I didn't see Bill Musgrave getting as much flack as Vance did when he was calling plays that, that were atrocious almost all the time. We've talked about this. Normally, I would say yes. you got to commit to a guy for three years. But the fact that Vance Joseph actively cost the Broncos a couple games, he, he actively cost the Broncos one game definitively. And you could make the case that his um, bad decisions cost them at least a couple more, especially in the second season. The first season, you, you just you got to live with the bumps and bruises. The, the fact that it happened in the second season, I think he kind of dug his own grave there. I mentioned this last week. I don't think Vance got enough credit for what the defense did throughout last season. But as a head coach, once you lost the locker room, once you lost your general manager, it's done. As for Case, I think Musgrave did a pretty terrible job calling plays last year. (laughs) Flat out. Yeah. But Case never popped. You know? He never did things. He never did any of the things we saw in training camp that we were like, Wow, this guy is is just throwing dimes down the sideline and putting him in a perfect position for Case or for Cortland Sutton to go up in sky. Like at that moment, I was like, "Wow, this Case Keenum guy is the real deal." I don't think during one second during the season, I said I he made a throw that made me say, "Wow, this Case Keenum guy is the real deal." Or if there were so many bad plays called by Bill Musgrave, which I which I agree, Case, if he was the real deal, would have checked out of him. And he wasn't doing any of that last year. Wow, I think Mr. Split is uh, just Vance Joseph himself going on with the second one. Seemed like John Elway was shifting blame onto VJ about the hire and Gary Kubiak about Paxton and not accepting the fact that you can't give a new head coach pebbles at the most important position and expect to compete. As well as the QB and offensive coordinator are the most important thing to a first-year head coach success. VJ didn't have either. Zach and Ryan, do your next podcast on your phones versus the equipment BSN invested in. Not sure how much, but but I'm sure the equipment isn't cheap. Let's see the finished product. Hmm. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) But you definitely wouldn't have wanted to hear the last podcast on our phones coming to you from Sports Column. Oh, God, that would have been brutal. These microphones do a really good job of filtering out background sound. And the... The iPhones ones really don't. So uh, we were lucky to have these during that podcast or else you guys wouldn't have been able to hear us. I just remember in training camp when we would do the pods in the morning and the music would turn on at nine. If we were doing it on our phone, there would have been no pod. Yeah, no, I love this equipment and, it, and it's not the craziest, most expensive equipment in the world, but it, it definitely is, is high quality podcast equipment. Um, you have heard us do a couple podcasts on our phones. One was on the drive from Alabama through Mississippi and into New Orleans. Legendary. A legendary pod from not this Senior Bowl, but the one before it. And then this year you heard Zach and, and I do a podcast on our phones from inside the Indianapolis Convention Center mm-hmm. in which we were like half whispering. <laughs> that was a classic as well. Uh, and yeah, I mean... For what it's worth, we're not going to just purposely decrease the quality of, <laughs> of the podcast. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, John doesn't want to take a lot of the a lot of the credit or blame for the quarterback situations. I, I would agree with that. Here's one thing that's really important to remember about 
Case Keenum is Vance Joseph was very, very much on board the Case Keenum train. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a guy saying, like, don't give me Keenum. I only want Cousins or anything like that. He was very aboard. So you can't say that that's all John's fault and that, you know, Vance wanted something better. Do you think it could have been because Vance said, oh, God, I know I was almost fired after year one. I can't be going into year two with Paxton and Trevor again. I can't do that. I need something. <laughs> he, he, I, I wouldn't blame him for saying that, but, I, you know, he could have said, give me a rookie. Right. And if I were him, I would have said that because he would have gotten too. a full year <laughs> yep. pass unless he's, you know, Steve Wilkes. Yep. Um, he would have gotten a full year pass on just the rookie developing, and John would have had to sell himself on, well, you can't blame him for the rookie quarterback struggles. Exactly. His third point was sad to see VJ go because I liked him personally, but don't let the door hit you on the way out, guy. Vance was a nice guy to us. Yeah. Really nice guy yeah. to us. All right, four. This one's pretty long. Now on to this Fangio guy. Because <laughs> I'm all about defense, I understand he's a top. he has a top 10 defense wherever he's gone. Love the hire, I promise. But this is where the light meets dark. Top 10 defense, but has never been a head coach? 31 other teams have passed up on him as a head coach. So Denver sees something that other teams don't? I don't know, LOL. I'm iffy on that front. Makes me think of Musgrave and McCoy. Our division rivals didn't want them, but Denver saw something that clearly wasn't there. So my question, is Elway really able to evaluate coaching talent when you factor those things in? Well, I, it, and it's a very fair question. It's a really good point. And here's what I've heard, the reason that Vic hasn't been a head coach before. He's had, I think, three or four different head coaching interviews in the past. And apparently... He doesn't BS. He doesn't lie to the general manager or the owner in those meetings. And he says, your team is bad. And it's going to take you know, however many years to get this team turned around. And here's my plan. And you know what? People don't like hearing that. People, people wouldn't like, uh, you know, we may not like someone coming here and saying, your podcast is awful. It's going to take me two years to get this thing turned around, but I will get it turned around. You know, you, you don't like hearing that about your product. This is John's baby. And, and, and th- th- this is general managers, you know, this is their everything. So they don't like hearing that. And, and they all want to hear, yeah, you're this piece away and I'm that fix. And then next year we'll go 10 and six and make the playoffs after being two and 14 last year. And I've heard Vic's been brutally honest in every single one of his interviews. And to be honest with you, I'm shocked John like that. The, the guy that doesn't rebuild. I don't know what Vic told him. Maybe Vic said, you know, you, yes, you're a 11-win team the past two seasons. Just me alone, me and my defense, we can make you an 11-win team. But from everything I've heard, he was probably a little more brutally honest about this team. Here's what I think it boils down to. How bad, and it, and it, and it ties in with what you said. How badly did Vic Fangio want to be a head coach? Hmm. Not to say that he didn't want it. But how badly did he want it? Because if you want something bad enough, you'll be willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And so if he was dying to be a head coach, he would have said whatever he needed to say to get the job. And he's a smart guy. I'm sure he knows what he needs to say. Yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't just chomping at the bit because he loves being a defensive coordinator. And he's really, really good at it. And he's making good money doing it. I don't think he was chomping at the bit, so he wasn't willing to play the little game, to play the oh I can win with uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know we can go we can do we can go to championships together with my offense or you know I can win with this defense you have. All that takes is with this little bit of fairy dust I have. I just sprinkle it on there, and all these players will be good all of a sudden. 
if you want it bad enough, you'll say what you got to say. I don't think he wanted it. I don't think he was dying to be a coach, a head coach. So when, when he meets with teams, he tells them his honest opinion and he, and he figured if a team likes the way that I approach this, then we'll have a good relationship and I'll be able to have success as a head coach. But if they if they don't want me to tell them that Ryan Tan, I don't know why I'm going to Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> if they don't want me to tell them that Ryan Tannehill can't cut it and he's really easy to game plan against as a defensive coordinator, well, then I'm not going to work well there anyway because this is the way I live my life is telling people the way it is. Right. Exactly. And now the one that I would be the most concerned about is the Bears. Why didn't they hire him one year before uh, last year when they hired Matt Nagy? They did interview him, and from everything I heard, it was more of a courtesy interview to try to keep him on the staff. That's one that makes you makes you scratch your head. What they knew him better than anyone else. They already had him though, right? And they had just drafted a rookie quarterback who didn't have a very good season, right? They figured, what if we could get the Kansas City offense with our guys' defense? We yep. could have a great success, and they did. Yep, exactly. And that was my thought: was they wanted the offensive piece to pair with him? Exactly. All right, he finishes off. He said it was a quick five. <laughs> it wasn't a quick five, and it wasn't five. Uh, 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 wasn't quick. Wasn't five. <laughs> He says six bonus round. Love the moves in free agency. If you don't believe in win now or Flacco, uh, then get off at the next stop because this is the Broncos 2019. The only problem I see is that Flacco is coming off of this. It's coming from the same type of environment where they tried to run the ball and play good defense. That has been the staple of the Ravens since he's been there. No playoffs three of the last four years or last three or four years. Um, with that formula as, as well as that fact that he lost his starting job to a rookie QB, who took them to the playoffs. Now I know Ryan says we have Phil and better receivers. I'm not sure about that, but thoughts and feelings I'm all in every year until about week five and week eight, where everything falls apart. I'll take Joe in a great defense, but that will be, but will that be enough with Pat and Tom and rivers and the Drews of the NFL world? Uh, even great defenses get scored on. So thoughts and feelings. Sorry. Uh, this was too much. Love you guys. Hashtag let two in. <laughs> Hashtag truckers for America. Hashtag wave your damn hands. <laughs> I love it, Mr. Split. I love your comments. And uh, yeah, the, 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 the plan here isn't to have Joe Flacco be better than the Drews, the Toms of the world, the, the Paytons of the world. It's not. It's that the defense is better than it was last year and is top five, it's close to number one, and that the offense is average or above average, but comes through at the end of games because Joe Flacco has that experience. Sounds good in theory. It does. And in the end, I think it really is going to come down to Joe Flacco's clutch factor. I truly believe there is going to be at least six games this season where the Broncos have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And it's going to, in, in the end, and it's probably going to be more than that, but I'm saying, Late fourth quarter, Joe Flacco has the ball and needs to do something with it. And if he's clutch, as they say he is, and you know he's played in these games and he knows how to muddy it up for three quarters and then come through in the clutch, then the Broncos are going to you know, be close or go to the playoffs. If all of that is some BS and he crumbles and throws picks in the fourth quarter, then, then they're not going to be. This is supposed to be a heart attack team. This is a team where you're going to be just clenching your seat until the final seconds every single week, whether it's a good team, whether it's a bad team. This isn't going to be Peyton Manning's team where you're blowing teams out. If it's fourth and one at the 50, mm. they might be punting. <laughs> Don't be upset if they punt. Because they're going to say, 
we have fourth and one at the 50. Yeah. But if we just pin it inside the five, we're going to have first and 10 at the 40. Right. Three plays from now. Yep. Exactly. With Devin White leading the way. Look, it, <laughs> and no, and people forget this. People forget that it wasn't fun during the Super Bowl season. No. No one was happy. It wasn't 2013. No, 2013 was <laughs> sunshine and rainbows. You know, if they didn't put up 500 yards of offense, they were complaining on the radio. Um, people booed them when they were beating the Jaguars <laughs> at halftime because they weren't beating them by enough. I mean, that was just a cruise fest. Yep. And obviously they lost a couple games and it gave, you know, gave people scares. But 2015, everyone was mad like the whole year. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with Peyton? <laughs> Why do we have to come down to the wire every single week? Yep. This isn't what we signed up for. You know, and, and they just uglied it. All the way to the freaking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. Yep, it's gonna be it's gonna be Broncos football in 2019. All right, next one here is from OJF, but we're gonna get to that one right after this break. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency, hands down, is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow-up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one-time-a-year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person to not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. We're wrapping up your questions here as we uh, come through the third and final segment on today's BSN Broncos podcast. And a couple uh, housekeeping notes before we do get to the question I teased before the break. One, uh, I know I reached out to one band this weekend, but we've said it before, and I want to reiterate it. Look, we love Pleasure Horse, uh, but we also want to share the love. If you listen to this podcast and you're in a band, uh, you guys make music, whatever it is, um, we'd love to help feature your band and get you some exposure on this podcast if you guys you know support us so much it's the least we could do if, if you're out there making music and, and creating in your own way so um we we obviously you know the intro is pretty uh solidified because uh, pleasure horse went above and beyond but um, we're always willing to mix in some different songs and stuff on the outro and local homegrown company here with us you guys support us we want to support you. Now, maybe you're not local to, to Colorado, but homegrown just like us. We, we love that. Yeah, so send us your music. Um, we'll try and get you on the podcast if you're in a band or whatever. You know, it's, it's Like I said, it's the least we could do. The other thing, I always just like to touch on this once in a while because um, some people are confused how it works. To comment on the podcast and get your questions read, you do have to subscribe to BSN Denver. And then when you subscribe to BSN Denver – you can go into the most recent podcast that was posted whenever you feel like commenting. Go in there and comment on it, and we will always get to your comment. Um, and then the final thing, which 
I rarely ask for, but I do like to mix in once in a while, is to go and give us a review on iTunes. Um, it's you know, it's a it should be a quick and easy thing for you to just go in there or whatever podcast app you use. Um, go in, give us a rating, leave a comment as to why you you know you rated us that way, uh, and you know that always helps us out. If you actually like us, if you hate us. Don't listen and don't comment. <laughs> uh, but we would appreciate that. And then, of course, again, check out the BSN Broncos Twitter feed today. Go help out our guy, uh, Drew Creaseman over at BSN Rockies to win. All right. That was a lot of requests. But um, two of them, I think, were for the benefit of the people. Two of them were for the benefit of us. Uh, 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 there we go. Even. Fair. Exactly. First question coming in from OJF says, I agree regarding the NFL games in England, but it has definitely got a lot more fans interested in the sport which can't be a bad thing. I would hate for my football or soccer team to play a game abroad, for example. I also need to stop listening to this pod before lunch at work because 10 a.m. because it's 10 a.m. and I'm starving. Do you guys feel like this is one of the lower pressure draft picks compared to previous years? Feels like we could go in a few directions, which would all be beneficial. Just hoping we don't take lock. Oliver, Bush, White would all add something uh, that we need but we don't need a certain guy in my opinion. Yeah. I think if you got Oliver or white at 10, you have to be ecstatic. Um, those are two guys who can come in and be a game changer. I know people have talked about Oliver being a little undersized. Well, that's probably good news for the Broncos because that is the only thing that would allow him to drop that low. And remember people said Aaron Donald was undersized when he came out of the draft. <laughs> Man, that's that's a good reminder for everyone. Um, and yeah, I, in terms of lower pressure, I think it's easier to hit. If you don't go quarterback, you're in a pretty good spot here because a great player will be there. If you go quarterback, there's a lot of pressure because it's a very risky move. Bleed Orange Blue talked about the uh, subscription contest and the t-shirts. Those are coming, I promise you. Um, I've, I've put the pressure on the person in charge of that <laughs> to get that out. I said by today, hopefully, I guarantee you it'll be done this week, um, but I hope, uh, it, hopefully, it's just done by today. So by the time you hear this, maybe you already have it. Ryan, really quick, how does six foot one and seven eighths for height and 287 pounds sound along your defensive line? So six two, two what? 290. Six two two ninety. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. That's what Ed Oliver weighed in at at the combine, so pretty good there. All right, from Bronco Duck, do you guys see Elijah Wilkinson as a legit right guard, or do you think there'll be some serious competition at that position? Additionally, I love Leary. Just want to see him healthy for a full season. For me, these are the reasons I see interior offensive line as a dark horse pick if we trade down in the first. Either way, even more than inside linebacker, I hope we add depth on both lines through the draft this year. I'll, be con- I'll continue enjoying my cereal without <laughs> drinking the leftover milk as I wait response. <laughs> we, we didn't convince him, I guess. Uh, in terms of... At least like put it in a cup and like give it out for some stray cats or something. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Cats will finish it. Yeah, exactly. They will. They will. Uh, in terms of offensive line, when I think of offensive line, they can't be banking on this being the starting five, can they? Sure they can. Oh, I just... That's hard for me to accept and to, to swallow, especially when we're talking about that right guard position. And that's why I don't know if interior offensive line would be a pick for them in the first round, but come on. In the first three rounds, there's going to be an offensive lineman picked, and if you pick a guy in the first three rounds, it's with the attention of him playing. So I can certainly see interior offensive line being one of those picks. And, and in fact, 
when I think of it generally like that, I'm like, it is one of their picks. It has to be. And and I heard from the when we, when we were at the combine, I heard that was going to happen. And obviously, a lot of things change. It has to be. I just don't know where it fits because then you pick Ed Oliver in the first. Uh, you, you you pick Mac Wilson in the second, and then you pick a, a receiver in the third or something. I guess maybe it's the third round is a sweet spot. Yeah, you can only go so many places. It's, it's a frustrating <laughs> yeah. part about the draft. Um, I think I think there is a, there is a scenario in which they say this is our line, and they believe in Sam Jones. He can be their backup guard, and they believe you know. Austin Schlotman can be their, uh, their backup tackle. And then you do what Ryan suggests, and you pay Mike Munchak $10 million. Exactly. <laughs> All right, from BWR. Hey, guys, if I have it right, it sounds like RK wants a rangy, speedy linebacker, while Zach and possibly Elway would prefer taking an elite talent like Oliver than finding a linebacker in the second. May I propose a comp- compromise? Blake Cashman in the second. He's rangy, instinctive, can cover. He played at a small school, Minnesota. I don't think that's a small school. And is a touch undersized at 237. But his tape at a major school would put him right beside the Devon Twins. Kid can flat out play. Take a pro- top prospect at 10 and steal a franchise inside linebacker in the second. Hmm. Ryan, before the debate today, what was the exact 40 time you wanted from an inside linebacker? You said this number or under? 4-5-1. Blake Cashman? Four five flat. There you go. He's, <laughs> he's in the zone. <laughs> he fits the profile, and like you said, six one, two hundred and thirty seven pounds. He's a, but Minnesota isn't a small school. I I don't think so. Um, I'm interested. I mean, again, it just all depends. Like like I said, if you can get Devin White at ten, I just I just think you drop everything and just take him, and and you'll never think twice about it again. Um, it's kind of like Bradley Chubb, honestly, in the sense of if he's there, you just got to take him. But. And, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. Sorry, I was just going to add a quick thing on, on Cashman. He had surgery, or he hurt both shoulders last year. So maybe that'll fall, or maybe that's just too big of a red flag. Shoulder's pretty important for a linebacker. Gosh, could you imagine hurting both of them? All right, uh, one of the very few food comments today, which maybe is for the best. Maybe we need to start focusing more on the Broncos. <laughs> uh, from Micah Pexa, he says, two things on cereal talk. Not sure if you're going to be able to talk about these things on air, but everyone should look them up if they have time. Okay, well, we're not going to – if you just say that, we're just not going to talk about it. Um, let me write, read the second one. Okay, this one we can talk about. <laughs> uh, if you want to see what he's talking about, you're just going to have to go to the website and read it. Um, he says, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, interesting true story on why they're so plain. When they were first made – it was recommended that they add sugar to them for better sales, but Dr. John Kellogg adamantly refused. Look it up to find out why. Interesting. Be careful. <laughs> Do you know? No, I have no clue. He says, LOL, oh, with lots wow. of exclamation points. Oh, wow. I can only imagine. We should have just skipped this comment. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm scared. Um, by the way, Frosted Flakes are very solid options. Oh, yes, they are. And that does it for our questions today. Uh, one coming in, oh, a, buzzer beater. a buzzer beater from Yeti Roar in says... Pure, in true March fashion. Exactly. Boy, as a fellow stubborn person, an avid fan of arguing for funsies, I have to say Zach, and I mean this complimentary, is a viper man. Just ruthless and will not give up getting at RK when he disagrees with him. Respect. Anyway... What do you guys think the likelihood would be of Elway trading back into the first round if Jones or Locke falls into the 20s? If they take White, Bush, or Oliver first, it's a win. And then 
all think they're they're done at quarterback at some point. Wait, if they take Bush or Oliver, it's a win. And we all think they'll take a quarterback at some point. What's the difference than if they take Jones or Locke late in the first to develop than taking a quarterback much later to develop? I'm confused. So what he's saying is you trade back up into the first and pick Jones or Locke if they fall into the 20s. Still too many holes. Mm. Still too many holes. My question is, what are you giving up to get back into the mid-20s? Because... It's gotta be, you're going to have to give up a first to go from 40 to 20? It's next year's first and this year's second. I mean, if you're getting a quarterback that you truly believe in, then I, I'm, I support it. We just know that drafting quarterbacks in the 20s is a death kiss. And here's the thing. If you really believe in them, you're taking them at 10, right? Right. And so that's the difference, Yeti. Where I, li- I like where your head's at, but you're using if it didn't involve using next year's first to do it, then I'm open for it. But then you're saying that these quarterbacks are better than what you could get next year. And if you're saying that, you should draft them at 10. So it, it's logic that doesn't add up in my head. And so the difference would be is you're not spending a first round, next year's first round pick on getting these guys late in the first. You're getting, if you, if you get a guy in the fourth or fifth, well, you're using just a fourth or fifth round pick. Plus, they already have Kevin Hogan. <laughs> They're set at the position. Yep, got him for another year. Locked in. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say this. I've watched so much basketball in the last few days, <laughs> and I can't believe it's being taken away from me today. But the Buffs are in the NIT tonight, so I still get my basketball fix. What round? Round two of the NIT hosting Norfolk State at home. Wait, wasn't round one Wednesday? It's been a while. Yep, it's been a while. I'm sh- I'm shocked that they take so long. They don't want to um, compete oh, with the NCAA tournament. That's really smart. But they actually have on a few games. I think they just as many games as they possibly can. They move them back. Will they play if they win tonight? I'll touch wood for you. Will they play Wednesday or will they like wait another week? No clue. All I know is that if they uh, there we go, got it in. All I know is that if they make the Final Four, it's at Madison Square Garden, which is pretty sweet. Mmm, is there a trip in your future? I would love that. I don't know if that's possible. That's actually really cool that the NIT would do MSG. Yeah, super cool. The last time the Buffs made it to the NIT Final Four, they lost to uh, your Crimson Tide hey. in the Final Four. I'm going to say I didn't, don't remember that. Yeah, the Buffs got real, really snubbed that year. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough oh, basketball. Oh, that was that year. Yep. Uh, I that might was, have cried. Was that 2010, 2011 technically? Yes. Yep, I remember it. I remember. Biggest snub ever. It was. All right. That's enough basketball talk for today. Hope you guys are, uh, you know, surviving in your bracket challenges or maybe you just hate basketball altogether. Either way, uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for meeting all those requests that we made earlier. Uh, Appreciate you guys. And we'll catch back up with you tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's getting me down. Waiting up for you.
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue.